Knowing my sins have all been covered by the great I am. I am, no need to worry, fear, or care, for I know the Lord is always there. Let come what may, I'm on my way, I'm walking by faith. Let come what may, I'm on my way, walking by
I'm gonna live it. 
this don't bother I know that I'll have treasures untold When we all get up to heaven Time will just begin We'll live eternally with Jesus A life that's free from sin Well, I'm gonna have a mansion
Church, take your song books, page 349, page 349, the comforter has come. to what the Lord Jesus said before he was crucified. He said that he promised when he left that he would send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. We read in the book of Acts chapter number 1, there on the day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit showed up and uh, he filled all of those that believed in him. And I thank God that ever since that point, the Spirit of God is in the church. If you're saved, he's in you. And thank God that the Lord Jesus refers to him as the comforter. We're living in a day and age where we certainly need comfort. Thank God we have a source, and that's the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. So let's continue singing uh, about him. And uh, also, welcome to the service. Welcome all of you live stream listeners as well. On the second verse. The long, long night is past. 
church this morning say amen. amen praise the lord for his goodness our heavenly father it is such a joy today to be in your house together with your people today and hear the word of god lord from your servant we pray dear god you'd meet every need of every soul that's come into this assembly this morning you alone know the needs dear god some with heavy hearts some with troubled hearts lord with some with things that they cannot share with others dear god but you're able and willing to meet every need according to your will and for thy glory. Father, we wait before you this morning. Ask God you'd bless our pastor, bless every song this song, and everything that's done would bring glory to our Savior. And thank you, Lord, that the Comforter has come and abides in your people. Do guide us, direct us, dear God, in these present days wherein we live. If you've never made a promise that you will not keep, we trust in you today. Father, bless the service, Lord. Get glory to yourself through all that's done. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Take your song books. Page 419. 419. Sound the battle cry. Page 419. 419. Sound the battle cry. Sound the battle cry, see the foes die, raise the standard high for the Lord. Good your armor on, stand firm everyone, rest your cause upon his holy word. Rouse in soldiers, rally round the banner, ready, steady, 
pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throng. Strong to meet the foe, marching on we go, while our cause we know must prevail. Shield and banner bright gleaming in the light. Soldiers rally round the banner, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throng. O thou God of all, hear us when we call, help us one and all by thy grace. Win the battles that and the victors won. Before thy face, thousand soldiers rally round the banner, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throng. Amen. You may be seated. Here in just a moment, I'm going to go over some uh, very important announcements, but before we do that, I wanted to uh, do something um, that uh, we do here for our staff, and uh, we would like to wish Brother Glenn Coppinger a very happy birthday. He had a birthday here a few days ago, and so uh, we've got a card here for him. So, brother, we appreciate you. Give him a big hand. And uh, since he is male, I can say this, he just turned 45, and uh, I've known him since he was really, really young, and it sure does make me feel really, really old, but uh, oh, to be 45 again, amen? <laughs> all, of you, all of you teenagers and young people, it's like, 45 is old, and I'd like to be 45 again. How many of you would like to be 45 again? <laughs> well, welcome to Temple Baptist Church. <laughs> When, I got to share this. This is just too funny. When we first moved here, um, our son Josh was just, uh, he was only, I think, 12 years old, and uh, we had uh, we had some deaths in the church that year, and then we had a bunch of people that uh, came and joined the church, and we were just joking. We said, uh, come to Temple Baptist Church, a great place to die. <laughs> and yeah, maybe it's not funny to you, but it was funny at the time. Anyhow, my wife's like, don't tell that story. <laughs> Anyhow, sorry, honey. Uh, by way of announcements, uh, first of all, uh, this evening, uh, Kids Choir is at 5.30, and uh, if you have questions about that, see my lovely wife all the way back there, backslidden Christian on the very back row. She's trying to make a very quick exit in case I say something else she didn't want me to say, but uh, if you have questions about Kids Choir, see her. She'll be happy to help you out. Our evening service is at 6 o'clock, and uh, in the service this evening, let me say this, um, at the end of the service, I've got a very important announcement to make, and so I encourage you to be here for that announcement. I promise you it's not any uh, manipulation to try to get you to come back to church today, but uh, I've got an announcement that needs to be made that's very important, so come back tonight at 6 o'clock. And by the way, we are opening the chapel for prayer before the evening service as well as before the morning service, and uh, so uh, come and spend some time in prayer uh, before the service this evening. On Wednesday at 7, we've got our Bible study here in the auditorium as well as prayer meeting, and then also the master clubs and the youth group meet uh, Wednesday at 7 as well. 
On Saturday, our men's prayer meeting is at 8 a.m. here in the auditorium, and then our street ministry is at noon, and we meet over uh, in the parking lot between Verizon and KFC over in the Walmart area, and so all you have to do is just show up. Brother Sharp is there with signs and tracks, and we just have a great time of fellowship while we're out there uh, representing Jesus Christ and spreading the gospel, uh, because uh, that's what people need. That's the only hope that this world has is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then also I wanted to mention, uh, if you'll notice here on the upcoming events, that May 28th, that's two weeks from yesterday, we're going to go uh, to the Charlotte Motor Speedway. We'll meet at the church here at 9, and this is for uh, men and women, uh, even children can come. And we're going to take the fellowship bus, or if you'd like to carpool and uh, join us uh, over at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, we're going to try to get a bunch of seed out of the barn. Now, if you're new around here, uh, I'll explain that. All of these gospel tracks that you see up here, this is all gospel seed that is still in the barn. And in our mission conference a few weeks ago, we were challenged to get the seed out of the barn because it's not doing any good being here in the barn. And so many of you have gotten behind that challenge, and I know the tracks are going out pretty quickly. In fact, at the ladies' event this past Thursday, the ladies uh, actually sat down and hand-addressed and uh, hand-wrote notes and put gospel tracks in envelopes, mailed them out. We got 400 gospel tracks that went out. Uh, I believe they went in the mail on Friday, and so probably, if if my observation is correct, uh, the people that received those tracks or that were mailed those tracks, they'll get them tomorrow. And so all of you faithful uh, church members and Christians, I'd like to ask you to pray over those 400 tracks, and who knows what the Lord would do with that, and perhaps maybe uh, we'll see people in heaven because of that effort, as well as all of this effort, and then also, who knows, maybe uh, some people will realize that, hey, I need to get into a good church and Who knows, maybe they'll come and be part of what's going on here and we'll be able to help them with the Word of God as well as the the love and fellowship that we enjoy among one another here at Temple Baptist Church. I think I got all of my bases covered, and so uh, let's go ahead and stand and sing our last hymn for this morning, Standing on the Promises, hymn number 364, 364. Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing promises of God, standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the heaven storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. Standing, 
Standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord. Bound to him eternally by love's strong cord. Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. You may be seated. Resurrection morning when the trump of God shall sound, we shall rise, we shall rise. Then the saints will come rejoicing and no tears will ever be found. We shall rise, we shall rise, we shall rise, we shall rise, we shall rise. In the resurrection morning when the prison bars are broken, we shall we shall rise in the resurrection morning. What a meeting it will be! We shall rise. We shall rise in our fathers and our mothers and our loved ones. We shall see. We shall rise. 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 We shall in the resurrection morning, when the prison bars are broken, we shall rise. We shall rise. In the resurrection morning, blessed thought it is to me, we shall rise. We shall rise. Praise the our blessed Savior, who so freely died for me, we shall rise. We shall rise. We shall rise, we shall rise, we shall rise, in the resurrection morning when the prison bars are broken, we shall rise, we shall rise, in the resurrection morning we shall meet him in the air, we shall rise, we shall rise. And be carried up to glory to our home so bright and fair. We shall rise. 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 In the resurrection morning, when this prison bars are broken, we shall rise. We shall rise. Praise the Lord. Thank you, gentlemen.
Thank you. Great job. Great song. Thank God we will rise on that resurrection morning. Take your Bibles. Go to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. While you're turning, I'd like to give some credits to uh, this message here this morning. Uh, several men here, uh, Norman Giesler, Frank Turek, Ray Comfort, as well as various other authors and um, um, people on the internet that I've listened to their messages and gleaned uh, certain points and concepts from. Uh, what I'm going to be talking about here today is something that is not per se an area of expertise. I'm a Bible preacher, and uh, my life and ministry and what I hope to be, my whether it's expertise or whether it's just focus of my life, is on the Word of God, on the Scripture. And yet there are things that we deal with in today's culture that I believe that it's necessary to understand what's being taught. We're in a spiritual warfare. And the Apostle Paul, in speaking of Satan, he said, we are not ignorant of his devices. And we're living in a day and age where Satan's devices, unfortunately, men are very ignorant of his devices, and the battle for men's souls, it starts between the ears, and uh, certainly it finds its way into the heart, and unfortunately, we're living in a day and age where more and more people are going away from God, away from morality, away from decency, and our culture continues to get more and more confused, more and more lost, more and more painful. Uh, so many people are hurting today that don't have to be hurting simply because Satan has a grip on our minds, on not only what we think, but the way that we think. And so the message today, I think, will come crystal clear here in just a few moments as you see what we'll be speaking about that is relevant to today's culture. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 20, Paul says, O Timothy... Keep that which is committed to thy trust. Of course, Timothy being a young preacher, one of uh, Paul was his mentor. Timothy was one of his sons in the faith, and Paul was training him how to be a godly preacher, a good pastor. He said, avoiding profane and vain babblings, and watch this, and oppositions of science falsely so-called. Back in Paul's day, there was oppositions of science, but they weren't truly oppositions of science. And so I want to speak here this morning on the subject of the faith of an atheist. Let's ask the Lord to bless the message today once again. Lord, it is good to be in church today. It's wonderful to know you as Savior uh, Lord, thank you for the salvation that you provided in the cross of Calvary for your precious blood that was shed to cleanse us of our sins, to redeem us from a devil's hell, to give us a home in heaven. Thank you for changing our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, through re regeneration. And uh, God, uh, I know that uh, I'm not all that I ought to be today, but I thank you that I'm not what I once was. And Lord, to you... I give all that glory and honor. And I pray now that as I bring this message that you'd help me to stay on track and concise. Help me, Lord, by the grace of God to keep 
everyone's attention, Lord, from the boys and girls all the way up to the uh, those that are retirement age. And I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would open up our hearts and help us to see the truth here today. Help us to be equipped in how to answer men, how to uh, go to war against the wiles of Satan as he is battling for the minds of our generation. Just bless us and help us with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Kevin was a typical teenager. When he got home from school, he liked to uh, go into the house and uh, get a, a bowl of his favorite alphabet cereal. Well, one day, Kevin comes home and he sees on the table that the box of cereal has been knocked over and some of the cereal is scattered on the table. But right on his placemat, the letters have been arranged in order and they spell out the message that says this, Kevin, take out the garbage. Mom. Well, Kevin, being the typical teenager today that uh, most are, he recalls a recent high school biology lesson. Kevin doesn't attribute this message to his mom. He says, if our existence is just a series of mindless natural laws, then the message on the placemat must have been an accident. When the box fell over, the letters just happened to land in order on the placemat and produce the appearance that mom had written him a message. After all, Kevin didn't really want to take out the garbage in the first place. The faith of an atheist. Is that not a weird title? Doesn't that seem like contradictory terms? Wait a minute, I thought that an atheist was against faith. Uh, The purpose for today's uh, message is that the atheist or evolutionist, or Darwinist, or naturalist, or whatever they choose to call themselves, we want to demonstrate today that it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian, or a creationist, if you will. You say, well, is there a difference between a Christian and a creationist? Well, I personally believe that every true Christian is going to be a creationist. Because being a Christian means that we have trusted the words of the gospel which are found in the Bible, the Word of God. And the Bible is what gives us record of not only the creation, but also of our Creator. Now, today's mainstream culture, and this is no shock to any of you, all of it promoted by the media, by public education, particularly higher education, bullies the Christian world into feeling ignorant, intimidated, and inferior. And if you've ever felt that way, and those with high education and high IQ and high debating capacity have ever made you feel inferior or like you're just one of these weirdos, you're the minority, and listen, we are more and more becoming the minority. And as time goes on, I believe that the effect is exponential. The more promoting of evolution and atheism, the more that people... You know, we've, we're a bunch of lemmings today. And young people are not taught how to think, how to think rationally, how to process information the way that they ought to. But I remind you of Noah and his family. 
You know, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and the Word of God makes it clear that him and his family, eight souls, were the only ones on planet Earth that were standing for what was right. They were all scoffing at him. They were all mocking at him. But when it was all said and done, uh, guess who was right? The rain came, and the floods came. And by the way, there is scientific evidence for a flood. A catastrophic global flood. Now, scientists who don't like the Bible, uh, they figured out ways to just dismiss all of that. But, you know, we'll, we'll say more about their agenda here in time to come. As Paul warns Timothy, God warns us to beware of oppositions of science falsely so-called. You know, the Scripture says that there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, the details may be different. The massive amounts of information may be different, but the wiles of the devil are still the same. Yea, hath God said, Satan does everything he can to cast doubt upon not only the Word of God, but the integrity of God. The literal meaning of science means to know. And the question we should ask is this, does science really know things that disprove the existence of God or the authenticity of the Bible? You know, if you think about it, they accuse us of just being blind, ignorant followers, but yet we should all ask the question, do they really have proof that creation is untrue or a fairy tale, something that is made-believe? Well, my first point here this morning is this. Can we know anything for certain? Our young people are taught today that, well, that's your truth. You believe your truth, I'll believe my truth. And they're taught or they are, it is inferred upon them that truth is all relative. You have your truth, I have my truth, who am I to say? And some people, they try to sound so humble, it's like, well, who am I to say who is right? Well, let me tell you something, if the Bible is true and you are an eternal soul that's going to spend eternity in one place or the other, heaven or hell, it would behoove you to really think about this and to really study about this and try to find the truth because two opposing pieces of information cannot both be true. What you believe and the way that you view life, you're either walking according to truth or you're following a lie. There is no in-between. The agnostic, which is a form of an atheist, the agnostic doesn't come out and say, I'm an atheist. He comes out and he says, well, I don't know. You know, if you'll prove to me that God exists, if you'll prove to me that he's the creator, then I'll believe it. But he says we cannot know anything for certain. To which we ask the question, are you certain? I mean, it's circular reasoning. They say, well, you can't know anything for certain. But they are certain that you can't know anything for certain. It makes no sense whatsoever. The world system, and let me explain what I mean by the world system, education, Media. When I say media, I'm not just talking about CNN and Fox and the news media. That's part of it. 
But the media would be the internet, it would be television, it would be the movie theater, it would be all of those forms that uh, are presenting information. And, you know, even, even in, buckle your seatbelt, even Disney? Oh no, preacher. I know some of you, you just cut me off. Listen, Disney has an agenda. And if I was a parent raising my kids today... I would be extremely careful with Disney. But preacher, I love it. Hence, once again, proves my point. We are ignorant of his devices. And we need to wise up. We need to realize that his battle, the wiles of Satan, are for keeps. They're for life or for death. A few entertainment choices are not worth putting. You say, you know what, I take my kid to Sunday school and he hears the gospel, he hears the word of God. What, what's a little movie here and there, uh, what's it going to cost? Well, pray tell, what do you think they're paying more attention to? An animated movie with all of the music and the entertainment? They're, that keeps their attention, but the preacher or the Sunday school teacher, they're like, they're bored, right? Well, I, I'm going to move on here. They got a little chilly in here. The world system pits religion against science. Faith versus facts, allegedly. They say that the creationist blindly believes in what he cannot see or prove. The fact is, I'm going to give you the fact, and this is an unbiased, unprejudiced fact. The fact is, neither the creationist nor the atheist can demonstrate or prove how the universe came into existence. I can't, you can't, they can't. It has never been done, and I don't believe that it can be done. Neither can be demonstrated or scientifically proven. It's only theory. It's only belief. For both sides, please listen to this. Both sides of this argument, faith is a major, major part of the equation. Now, I don't believe that any faith is blind faith or should be blind faith. There should be evidence. In fact, the Word of God tells us about faith in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't believe that faith is without evidence. But the fact of the matter is, this is without any fear of contradiction, both sides, the creationist and the evolutionist, the religionist and the atheist, faith is a major part of the equation. If we skip all the rhetoric and look objectively at the facts, every possible explanation for the existence of the universe requires faith. The question is, Which requires more faith? The debate between creation and evolution, now often called intelligent design versus naturalism, is often portrayed as a war between religion and science. The Bible versus science or faith versus reason. The media, have you noticed that the media always depicts the creationist as some crazy religious fundamentalist who is narrow-minded and ignorant? Oh, they subtly put that in. 
I mean, anyone who is religious and fundamental in that, they always make... they Listen, there are crazy religious fundamentalists out there. But that's not the norm. That's the exception. But the media, they make sure that they portray us... I can't speak for you, but I think I speak for many in this congregation here today... They portray us as that wingnut. Yeah, the wingnut exists out there, but we even think that they're wingnuts. So we don't get fair representation at all. The creation versus evolution debate is not about religion versus science. It's about good science versus bad science. And so number two, what does science say? Science teaches that the universe began billions and billions, or perhaps maybe billions and billions and billions and billions of years ago, from a Big Bang. This explosion not only created something out of nothing, but it caused it to be in perfect... Get a load of this. This Big Bang created something out of nothing, and it created it in a manner to where it is in perfect life-sustaining, universe-sustaining, and reproducing order. That's what science says. Science teaches that life itself evolved from a single-cell creature living in primordial soup to advanced multiple-cell creatures. By the way, there is no example in, in science or archaeology, or any of the fossil record that demonstrates a single-cell animal turning into a two-celled animal or a multiple-celled. There's not a single shred of evidence. Single-celled animals are single-celled animals. Multi-celled animals are multi-celled animals. There is no missing link, by the way. Darwin has said that, well, we evolved from one form to another, but there has all of those different evolutionary processes, there has not been a single missing link discovered. They're looking for it. A lot of your taxpayer money and your tuition is paying for it because it's a passion for them. They want desperately to prove that they are right. And yet, I I don't know that they're as passionate about it today because they don't have to be. They figured out a better way. Tell a lie long enough and loud enough, everybody's going to believe it. So propaganda propaganda is a whole lot cheaper than scientific research. Primordial soup to advance multiple cell creatures and eventually to man. In other words, from goo to the zoo to you. While there have been no examples of this scientific teaching observed or discovered, fossils that support it, it has been accepted and promoted as science and as fact. And yet, in all reality, folks, it is not science, it is not fact, it is theory. Does the theory have some basis? Yeah, there's information that you can use and you can establish a theory from certain amounts of information and you can skew it whichever way that you want, but 
pray tell, and that's my point here. It requires faith on both sides. Anyone and everyone can have a conclusion that they're looking for, and if you're looking for a certain conclusion, you'll figure out a way to find it. Now, here's something. What does science say? Here's what science teaches. There are two demonstrable scientific laws. What I mean by demonstrable, I'm not saying that it's from demons. All right? You can demonstrate these scientific laws. Number one, the first law of thermodynamics. Now, this is the same as the law of gravity. It's observable. It's in all of experiments. This law proves they have never found a single example in the universe, not a single example in in a scientific research or experiment that has violated the first law of thermodynamics, in which it states that energy must be conserved in any process involving the exchange of heat and work between a system and its surroundings. Let me just put that in simpler terms. A machine that violated this law would be called perpetual motion because it would manufacture its own energy out of nothing and thereby run forever. You know, if they could invent a car, an electric car, that the alternator recharged the battery at the same rate that the battery was used up in order to drive down the road, they would have just violated the first law of thermodynamics. Now, they're becoming more and more efficient, no doubt about it, but they're not anywhere close to perpetual motion. Perpetual motion has never, ever been uh, been proven. Well, I, I take it back. There is one experiment that uh, that proved perpetual motions. You know how that uh, in in your kitchen when you're buttering bread and you drop it, which side always lands face down? The butter side, right? Well, they took a piece of buttered bread and they strapped it butter side up on a cat. And of course, cats, when you drop them, always land feet first. So they dropped the cat from about five feet up And the cat, just before it hit the floor, just began spinning. Butter side down, feet side down, and it just kept spinning. Boys and girls, that didn't really happen. That's why everybody's laughing. Uh, Perpetual motion. It has not, it has not proven possible. If they did find an example, then it would violate the first law of thermodynamics. It's a law. And science, this is what science teaches us. Second law of thermodynamics states that as energy is transferred or transformed, more and more of it is wasted. Simply put, energy cannot just happen, and as energy is used and wasted, things things in order digress to disorder. This is the second law of thermodynamics. Science taught us this. You know, if the energy of an explosion can be transferred, you you know, explosions transfer energy, but eventually that explosion is used up, correct? It runs out of energy. Order always digresses to disorder. 
This is a proven fact of science. Universal. In the universe, on the earth, in microscopic world, in down to the, the cells and the atoms and the nucleus, these laws of thermodynamics are consistent. In fact, without intelligent intervention, all energy causes chaos rather than order. And every scientific theory as to the origin of the universe violates these two scientific laws. Their only defense is to say this, that given enough time, the random accidents that cause the universe to exist, if given enough time, they're possible. Billions and billions and billions and billions. All these possible random things, such as the cereal box falling over and the message, Kevin, take out out the garbage. If you dump the cereal box over an infinite amount of times, then certainly at some point in eternity, that message will be written in that order. Their only defense... Once again, given enough time, random accidents. They have never proven this, so they must believe this by faith. Now, realistically, ladies and gentlemen, we all know that if you take, if you take energy transfer, if you take these laws of thermodynamics, more time is not going to make things better. It's just going to compound the disorder because the law is going to say over time, more explosions and more energy transfer, you're just going to get more and more chaos. You will never create order out of disorder without intelligent intervention. Once again, spill the cereal infinite times. It'll never, you and I both know it, it would never create the message, take out the garbage. And by the way, if it did, who spilled the cereal? And who's mom? And who's Kevin? It's just, it's not going to happen. So all that science does with their education, and yes, high IQ, intelligent minds, they fool people, they just add layer upon layer of information until the common person just goes, wow, they're really smart. I guess I need to believe what they say because they're smarter than me. Uh, I don't recommend that you think that way. In fact, uh, you know, is not our culture promoting the message, trust the science, trust the science, trust the science? I think there's a there's a subtle reason behind that, and that's this message here today. It has nothing to do with a pandemic or disease or helping humanity. It has to do with the fact... I'm talking about the subtle, hidden agenda. I'm talking about the devil being behind the details. And so number three, what does rational, reasonable human intelligence say about this uh, this debate, this equation? Well, I ask you a question. Can a book write itself? Do you really, does anyone with intelligence really think that a book could write itself? 
Well, in 1953, James Watson and Francis Crick discovered DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid. I'm sure I didn't pronounce that right. DNA, a whole lot easier to say, right? DNA, it's easier to say. The chemical that contains the code that instructs every living cell as to what it is, what it is to do, and how it is to replicate itself. Every single cell of every living organism contains DNA. It could not have existed without DNA. You know, they say, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I mean, you could talk about that till the cows come home, if cows even exist. Which, well, the chicken came first. Okay, where did the chicken come from? Well, the egg came first. Really? Well, who fertilized the egg? Someone could say, well, the egg came first, and it produced the chicken, but, I mean, all of this cosmic explosion, it would have had to have not only created a chicken, a hen, it would have had to have created a hen and a rooster at the, within the same lifespan, Right? All of this would have had to have evolved simultaneously, and they're saying it didn't do it simultaneously. It did it over billions and billions of years. What a bunch of crock. I'm sorry, I'm trying to stay objective here, but I had to say that. Do you know that the DNA in a single amoeba contains the amount of information in 1,000 complete sets, 30-volume Encyclopedia Britannica. One single-cell amoeba. Now, think about this. There's 30, 30 books. Now, if you've, if those of you that remember encyclopedias before Google came around, encyclopedia is a big book, all right? And you start reading that information. I'm not talking about the amount of letters in in um, 30, excuse me, 1,000 complete sets of encyclopedia. I'm not talking about all the information. I'm talking about all the information being in the order in which we see it that produces an intelligent message. That's how much that science has told us is in the DNA of a single-cell amoeba. Now, you take that and you multiply that in, say, a human being. I mean, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you how many cells that are in my body. As I get older, I think I have more cells. Some of you do as well, other than the cells in your hair that you're losing those, but... I don't know anybody that's losing more hair than they're gaining more midsection. But anyhow, that's another story. 1,000 complete sets of 30-volume Encyclopedia Britannica, all of that organized, intelligent information can be found in one single-cell amoeba. Which brings us to what the science world calls the teleological argument, and it goes like this. Number one, every design has a designer. Number two, the universe has a complex design. I just showed you one amoeba. 
and the entire universe, you think all that exists, the different life forms and all of the different systems, you see a complex design in the universe. Therefore, number three, the universe had a designer. Now, there are certainly natural causes that produce beautiful effects. For example, the Grand Canyon. Uh, someone I just talked to from the church recently saw the Grand Canyon, and it's, it's a beautiful place. I've never been there personally, but I've seen pictures. It's a place that I'd like to go someday. And natural cause created... Well, I, let me just paraphrase that. I personally believe it was... Natural cause produced by a supernatural being. I believe it happened in Noah's flood. And there is scientific evidence that backs that up. But it was the erosion of water that created that beautiful canyon. A natural cause, if you will. However, wouldn't you agree that natural cause would never, ever, and could not ever produce Mount Rushmore? When you compare the Grand Canyon to Mount Rushmore, you see that Mount Rushmore was intelligent design. There was creativity. There was an outside force and an outside hand that produced it. And folks, when you look at the complexity and the beauty and the order of the universe, even the scientists see the handiwork of a designer. Many of them have written articles and they have posted things that admit that they see it. But then they always throw in that disclaimer, hey, it looks like a designer, but after all, it can't be a designer because the universe came from a Big Bang. Circular reasoning, defending their position, even when the facts oppose their position. How about the anthropic constants? Uh, what does that fancy term mean? It means anthropic has to do with man. And so there are literal, there are over a hundred anthropic constants in the universe that make earth a place that can sustain human life. And that's what, that's what anthropic constant means. In fact, there are 122 of them. And I'm going to give you all 122 of them here this morning. I'm just kidding. I'm going to give you four or five of them, okay? These are just a few, but these are certainly off the top of the list. Number one, oxygen level. On earth, oxygen comprises 21% of the atmosphere. Any less, humans would suffocate. Any more, fire would erupt spontaneously. How did this Big Bang produce a 21% oxygen when we know from NASA that the other planets around, they don't, they either have no oxygen or they have the same problems. Earth is unique in that sense. They've never found anything close in the universe that uh, would support human life. Number two, atmospheric transparency. Any less transparency and not enough solar radiation would reach the Earth's surface. Too much transparency, and guess what? We'd be scorched. Now, I realize that the uh, the global warming proponents are saying that, well, the ozone layer, there's a hole in it, and, you know, we're getting scorched. And listen, the sun does produce radiation, 
And uh, after being on vacation last week, I'm, I really like sunscreen, by the way. I don't like rubbing my skin down with this greasy stuff that sticks on you, but it's a whole lot better than blisters, amen? Any less, or excuse me, any less transparency and we would be scorched. And uh, every planet that we've ever um, researched, that's generally what happens there. Number three, how about the moon-to-earth gravitational interaction? The size, the distance, and the rotation of both the earth and the moon make the ocean's tides function perfectly. Any variable would cause tidal uproar and climate instability. In short, life would be impossible. Any variable in that entire interaction between the earth and the moon life would be impossible. Number four, carbon dioxide levels. If CO2 levels were any higher, a runaway greenhouse effect would develop and we'd burn up. Any lower and plants would not maintain photosynthesis, we'd all suffocate. I mean, and I believe that our Creator designed it to where we've got an atmosphere and we've got an oxygen level, we've got plants who take in carbon dioxide and they put out oxygen, whereas life like you and I, we take in oxygen and we expel carbon dioxide. You're talking about amazing design, but yet science says that that all happened from some cosmic accident. Hey, how about gravity? If the gravitational force of the sun were any different, the sun itself would not exist. In fact, and, and look at this this uh, percentage here, point zero 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 zero. Let me just spell it out. Twenty seven zeros and a one. That percentage of one percent, if the gravitational force of the sun were just that much different, we're toast. No pun intended. Furthermore, and I just learned this, this is, this is kind of amazing to me. Do you know that if Jupiter, if Jupiter was not the exact size and location of orbit where it is, then life on Earth would not be sustained? Why? Because Jupiter acts like a cosmic vacuum cleaner and it attracts all of uh, many of space's asteroids that otherwise would strike Earth. And of course, the, the sci-fi, they're all talking about these big asteroids that are going to strike Earth. What most don't realize is that God put Jupiter out there, and the mass that it is, the gravitational attraction and the location of its orbit, so that it could vacuum up most of those asteroids that would otherwise destroy life on Earth. All of this from a hypothetical cosmic explosion. Listen, the chance of that Big Bang creating such order in every detail to sustain human life is infinitely unrational and unreasonable. It would be like saying to have a, have a, a palette of paint and, and drop that paint on the on, drop it on a canvas and out comes the Mona Lisa. You and I, we both know, we all know that the rational mind that that is not possible, I don't care how many billions and billions and billions of years that you reproduce that act, it's never 
going to create the design that we see in God's creation. Which brings me to my last point, number four. What does the Bible say? The Bible says in Genesis 1, verse number 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God furthermore said in Psalm 14 and verse number 1, he said, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Listen, atheism is not about knowledge. I believe that it's about morals. Our same teenager that we started this message out with, Kevin, uh, Kevin went on a beach trip with some of his classmates and, you know, he really liked this, uh, this girl Summer, but unfortunately, uh, Scott, uh, his classmate, he liked Summer as well. Kevin walked down to the beach where he hoped to find Summer. Unfortunately, he saw Scott and Summer walking hand in hand. As he walked in their direction, he looked down in the sand and he sees a heart scratched in the sand and inside of that heart, are the words or the names Scott and Summer. Well, Kevin, being the educated man that he is, paying attention in biology class, he once again dismisses this. This must have been a random act of the waves and the wind that caused this message because uh, I can't accept the, the, the thought that Summer doesn't like me, but rather she likes Scott. Second Peter 3, verse number 3 says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, scoffers walking in their own lusts. The Bible teaches us clearly that God spoke everything into existence. He spoke it out of nothing. He didn't take materials that were already available and put them all together. He spoke them by the word of His power, In fact, it says that he did this by his word and by Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, verse number 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, various manners, spake in time past by the fathers, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Watch this, by whom also he made the world's. Jesus Christ, when we read, in the beginning God, that's Jesus Christ. That's our Savior right there. He wasn't a created being by God. He wasn't just a good prophet. He was the God-man that came down from heaven in the form of a descendant of Adam. And he lived a sinless life. And he shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary to take care of our problem. And our problem is a sin problem. In conclusion, I want to say this emphatically, and that is this. God never offers proof of himself. You say, why didn't God just prove himself? Because he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. We were at, uh, we were at the park pavilion yesterday, and uh, one, of, one of our young people had a little birthday party. And as we were leaving, there was a crack in the the sidewalk there, and somebody had probably spilled some pop or some juice box or something, and there were just those little teeny tiny ants that were all in those cracks. And so I said to some of the boys and girls, I said, hey, lay down in that. They're like, no, that's one area I'm glad they don't listen to their preacher. 
But you know, as, as I'm looking down at those ants, I had nothing to prove to those ants. Nothing to prove. If God is who God says He is, why would He have to prove anything to us? Hey, we're looking at this thing wrong. We should be looking at the scientific... You know what? We should believe in God until somebody proves it otherwise. Because there are no other plausible reasons. In fact, Psalm 19, verse number 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament, that's outer space, it showeth His handiwork. You know what the devil's trying to get us to do today? He's trying to get us to always be looking at a screen. To always be looking at information that man made. How? When's the last time that you were outside, outdoors, and looked up at the stars? When's the last time that you looked up and you saw God's handiwork? Let me tell you something. The devil is putting us in a box. And if we would look up, and we would see God's handiwork and see His glory. We would realize in our heart of hearts that, wow, we're so small in this universe. How could a God that that preacher told me about, how could He care about some insignificant speck like me? You know, the whole animal world, they don't have a soul like we have. They've got personality. They've got intellect. But listen, we have souls. We have we have feelings, we have consciousness, we're self-conscious, we are created in God's image. Hey, how's that looking at man compared to the rest of the world and the rest of the creation? That is proof that God created us in His image. We didn't evolve into what we are today. Listen, folks, we are living in a time where Satan doesn't even hide anymore. And the world still can't see Him. Revelation 4, verse number 11, says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. I've talked to a number of people, and you know, most people that say that they're atheists, they're not. Most people that say, I'm an atheist, they, they don't believe that down deep. When crisis comes, they always say, oh God, or they always say, pray for me. But the problem is, is they just, they, they got mad at God. Something happened in their life, and they think, well, God allowed me to be heard, or allowed this to happen to me. I'm just going to, I'll just show him, I'm not going to believe in you. And that's about as foolish as a child saying to his mom or his dad when they don't get their way, I'm just going to hold my breath till I die. Oh, okay, that's really hurting me. And people think that they're getting even with God by saying, I don't believe in you. If God is who He says He is, He's got nothing to prove. You're doing nothing but hurting yourself. Listen, we Brother Sharp and I talked to... A, just a, a, a just a really nice guy not long ago and and we were talking and he he was searching and he's some of these reasonings and what science says and what this religion says and what that religion you could tell he's searching and he's gathering information and so it all came down and I'm glad that he was intelligent enough to acknowledge this he said look I told him I said you know what 
I said, if we're wrong and you're right, how's that, how's that affecting us? You know what? I don't know about you, but I enjoy being a Christian. I enjoy having a Savior. Hey, if this is some make-believe crutch, I'm telling you, I like this crutch. Because i got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It helps me morally. He helps me psychologically. He helps me mentally. I see him blessing me and answering my prayers and all of that. Hey, if that's some illusion, if that's a dream, don't wake me up. But if I'm wrong, what do I got to lose? You compare the life of a true Christian. You got clean living and you over, you know, as a general rule, you got a healthier lifestyle and a more fulfilled lifestyle. The Bible says the way of transgressors is hard. Listen, the world offers a lot of sins and pleasures, but just as the scripture says, and they're true, those pleasures and sins are just for a season. You reap what you sow. The chickens come home to roost. The way of a transgressor is hard. I'm, I thank God that, that He delivered me from my sinful appetites and lifestyle and so forth. I'm glad that He came into my life. If I'm wrong, what do I got to lose? But if the atheist is wrong, this gentleman we talked to, he admitted, he said, I'm toast. He didn't say toast. He used a word that I can't use, but he's messed up. He's in trouble. My faith in God, my faith is in God, I should say. My faith is in Jesus Christ, and my faith is in the Bible. And I just want to say publicly for to all the world, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Do you? Do you have enough faith to believe that all of this came from nothing, that the book wrote itself, that an explosion created this precise, I mean such precision, such order, such such beauty in order to sustain life and to perpetuate itself. Everything that God has done, aside from his miracles, he's done it in accordance with the natural laws that he created. Seriously, folks, if you've got enough faith to be an atheist, if you ever get converted to Christianity, uh, you're going to be better than the apostles and better than the prophets and the Word of God because that's going to take a whole lot of faith. But the fact of the matter is, it takes a whole lot of prejudice and a whole lot of ignorance to deny the God of this creation, and to be an atheist. Father, thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for your creation. Lord, I want to say publicly that you are an awesome God. And Lord, you are a beautiful God. You, you're intelligent. And every single thing from, uh, from the atom all the way up to the universe outer space and things that we've yet to discover, the more that we discover, the more that we find out just how complex and how intelligent that this creation is. And so, Lord, we want to honor you. This was for your pleasure. And, Lord, I pray that our lives would bring you honor and glory and pleasure and that we would live our lives to put a smile 
on your face because you certainly deserve it. I thank you for the cross of Calvary and I pray now that anyone and everyone that hears this message, that they would reasonably, rationally, and intelligently look to you and may the Holy Spirit of God give them the light that they need to see themselves as a lost sinner in need of a Savior. Have your will and way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we'd like to give you an opportunity to respond here this morning as the piano plays softly. The invitation here this morning is quite simple. Uh, I, I doubt that maybe there's an atheist here in the crowd, but I, I, I'd say that would probably not be not be the, the norm, but probably most of you here, you're here in church today, so you probably believe in God already. But the question and the invitation is about this. Are you saved? Is Jesus Christ your Savior? If you believe in God, you do well. James chapter 2 says, thou, thou doest well. Believing in God, believing in creation, that's a wonderful thing. But James makes it clear that the devils also believe and tremble. Just believing in God is not going to get you to heaven. The way you get to heaven is confessing to God that you're a sinner, who you are and what you are, and that you need Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary to pay for your sins. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 10, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're a sinner here this morning and you're not saved, I'd like to invite you to, why don't you slip out of your seat, come on down to this altar. Uh, If you're a lady, we've got some ladies that would be happy to sit down with you, open up the scripture, show you how to be saved. If you're a gentleman, we've got gentlemen that could do the same for you. Without trying to pressure you, with no bait and switch, no hidden agenda, we just want you to know when you leave this building today, that you know if you died today, you know you'd go to heaven. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And you can know it before you leave today. Would you come? Anyone here this morning? Just stand up where you're at. Come on down here. Get it settled. Get saved. No one responds here in just a few minutes. We'll close out the service. But please don't. Don't worry about embarrassment. Don't worry about anything. Just The Bible will answer your questions. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you through this whole process. He's asking. You just have to respond. Say yes to Jesus Christ and say yes today. Let's all stand to our feet. It's sure good to see you here today. I hope that you'll come back tonight. Our service is at 6 o'clock. As I mentioned, got an important announcement tonight, so we do hope that you'll come back. I'd like to ask Brother James Childress if you would close us in prayer here this morning. And uh, God bless you, and I hope you have a great afternoon. Brother James.